0: Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. It is great to be with you at Church Online this morning. We're so glad that you tuned in. If it's your first time, we give you a warm welcome. And if you're here for the thousandth time, it is good to have you with us today. My name's Josh, and I'm the Arena Mansfield campus pastor, along with my wife, Helen. And it's my privilege to be able to speak into this new series called The Power of of parables. The power of parables. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some of the stories Jesus told throughout the Gospels. And Jesus told these stories to reveal the complexities of the kingdom of God in a simple way. See, that's amazing communication, isn't it? When you can take something that's complex and break it down to make it simple. At times, Preachers have been criticised for using stories and humour and illustrations in their messages. But the more you look at Jesus throughout the Bible, the more you see this is exactly what he did. But it wasn't just Jesus' words that were powerful. When you look through the Gospels, they said that Jesus' ministry and Jesus' words carried so much more weight because it wasn't just words. He actually lived what he spoke. And today we're going to be looking at a parable in Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. You might know this parable as the parable of the talents. This parable essentially is about a master. And this master is going off on a long trip. He's going away and he's got three servants. And these three servants, he divides up his his possessions, his money, to give to them to steward while he's gone. A long story short, and we'll come to it in a little while, but two of them do really well. They bring an increase, while one doesn't do so well. But we'll come to that in just a second. I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you've asked the question, what's the catch? What is the catch It might be that car that you've seen on eBay and the car should be £15,000 and it's up there for £5,000, an offer you can't miss and you get there to buy the car and all of a sudden the car can't drive, what's the catch? Or you might have been sucked into maybe, uh, you know, uh, an online marketing scheme on Facebook or Instagram and it said uh, you know, Try this belt and you'll get perfect abs after a month. I mean, is there anybody brave enough on church online today to say they own an ab belt? You know, where you chuck the belt on and basically it electric shocks you. And you can sit there watching, on the, watching TV. You can sit there at the desk and this thing gives you perfect abs. There's a catch. What is the catch? Helen and I, my wife, we, on our honeymoon, we went to Orlando, Florida, a place that we love to go to. And one day we decided to go shopping. We just wanted a kick back and relaxed day. And on the way out of this mall, now forgive my American accent, because I'm not very good at accents, but I'm going to go for it any, anyway. We're on the way out, and I hear this voice, and it goes, Sir, do you want $200? Now, I, I, I mean, like, who says no to that? Probably people a bit wiser than me. But he goes, sir, do do you want $200? So Helen's like tugging my hand to continue walking. But let me tell you, my interest is peaked. I'm thinking in my mind, I've heard that God blesses marriage. Here we go. I've just sent a tweet out saying, favour ain't fair. You know, I've bought the the shoes in my mind that I've just seen, that t-shirt. I'm going back to the shop when I've got my $200 in hand. So I turn around and start walking to this guy. Helen follows reluctantly. This man's probably seen this response a million times. And then he asked me the question again. He goes, sir, do you want $200? Now, by this point, I started to get my senses a bit. And I've gone, yeah, of course, but what do I need to do? Basically asking, what's the catch? He goes, "Sir, you, sir, you don't need to do anything, sir. We, I, I want to take you to a five-star restaurant. It's a great facility. I want to give you some food. I want to give your wife and, your, and yourself a day out, sir. Oh, it's great, sir. Yeah, but I go back. Yeah, but what do you, do you want me to do? Why are you giving me $200? Well, sir, I want to give you a meal, sir. Five-star facility, sir. And then just a short presentation. Ah, oh, oh, right. Presentation. Okay. How long is this short presentation? Oh, well, sir, it goes so quick, sir. Uh, just, just six hours. I'm like, six, six hours? No way. I don't want to be there for six hours. Basically, he wanted to give me cash to send me to basically get sold to for a timeshare. I had to re, re, well bring back that tweet, favor ain't fair. I had to, you know, walk away sad because I didn't have the $200 dollars. See, with the marketing we see in the world today, we're used to asking this question, what's the catch? And we're wise to ask it, aren't we? Because we really know that Rarely is something free that's advertised as free. I mean, if you wanted to go into the shopping uh, supermarket today and had a look on the shelves, you'd walk down the aisles and you'd see 50% free or 25% free. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried this, but if you go up and say, look, I'll just have the 25% that's free, you do not get given that portion because it's not really free. This parable that Jesus tells, it talks about the master, as we've said which in this story is representing God. And the master gives his servants some money to look after. Two of the servants, as we said, they do a great job. One servant does a bad job. Now, I use this term catch loosely because we know with God there is no catch. He, we've been given freely salvation. But it's clear from this parable that Jesus tells, while there is no catch to the gifts God gives us, there is a responsibility. In Luke 12, verse 48, it says, From everybody who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Someone's just gone online. They've said, isn't that from Spider-Man? Come on, can, who remembers that scene? When his, uh, his, his uncle, just before his uncle dies, says, come on, Peter... With great power comes great responsibility. I want to tell you that the Bible's not quoting Spider-Man. Spider-Man is quoting the Bible. But this parable of the talents, in its essence, is about stewardship. What we do with what we've been given. But as we explore today, you'll see there's much more to be learned from this story that Jesus told. Now let's go to our passage, Matthew 25 verse 14. It starts like this. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags to another, and one bag of silver to the last. Listen to this, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. So the first thing that this parable shows me is that we need to be thankful for what the master gives Right at the start of this parable, it begins with the master entrusting his servants with his money, with his possessions. See, this master, as we've said, it represents God and the servants represent us. See, in our world today, that word servant can be misconstrued. Because this this clearly is not a normal servant-master relationship. Because our 21st century view of servanthood is to be owned by another. It's to be looked down on. It's to never make your own choices and never use your gifts. We see it as doing the menial task to make someone else's life better. We get slavery and servanthood mixed up. But what we see here is so different to that. This master is trusting his servants. He's leaving them with his possessions, with all of his goodness, with essentially his power. And he's trusting them according to their abilities in that moment to make the right choices to advance his kingdom. You say, whoa, Josh, you're talking about kingdom. We're just talking about money. No, this this story, if you think about it, this man has given his servants his possessions. Essentially, that represents... His kingdom. And he's asking them to advance his kingdom through the gifts that he's been given. Just a few chapters earlier, Jesus says the greatest among you will be a servant. And this can be hard for us to hear because we don't want to be servants. We want to be the master. We want to be in control. We want to make our own choices, do our own thing. Come on, that song, I Did It My Way, speaks straight into that, doesn't it? We want to do it our way. And when we're at our worst, it might be hard to say it, but we don't want to be the the servant. We want to be the master. We don't want to be the one taking orders. We want to be the one giving orders. But that's not who we're called to be as followers of Jesus. We are called to work with the master Jesus to serve the world in which we live. I don't know about you, but I want to be a better servant to those around me to my family, to my friends, to my community, to my God. I want to serve the master well. And this isn't an oppressive relationship, a relationship that limits, that holds back, that pushes down. Like we see here, this is a relationship that lifts up, that equips, that empowers, where we get all the benefits of being in the master's house. I want to remind you today of Ephesians 1 verse 5 that says if you're a follower of Jesus, you have been adopted into sonship. You are in his family today if you know Jesus. And because of that, you get the benefits of being in his family. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be a servant of the living God with all the benefits that come from being in his house, the freedom, the power, the grace, the strength, the healing that's given to his children rather than be on my own and have to contend with the things that life throws us on our own. Our world needs servants of God who are empowered with the gifts He gives to go into our world and bring restoration and transformation to it through His power at work within us. Come on today, there's somebody here. You've been trying to do it on your own. You've been trying to get yourself right. You've been trying, you've been working so hard to make yourself right in front of God. But let me tell you today, it's not your power working for Him. It's His power at work. Within you, We need people who are going to be like Jesus, who laid down his life so the world could be saved. Jesus, who, as Philippians 2 says, was in very nature God, but did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature, hear this, not of a king, but of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Come on, somebody, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you and me. Is there anybody online today who says, I want to be like Jesus? Is there anybody online today who says, I want to be a servant of the Master? See, this master, he trusts his servants. It's always amazed me this, that God chooses to work with us. The maker of heaven and earth, the God who made all of this, he chooses to work with you and me. Please don't get it mixed up that God needs to work with you and me. He doesn't. He doesn't need to work with us. He wants to work with us. See, There's a big difference between needing something and wanting something. I need toilet paper. Hello, anybody we we knew a few weeks ago we needed toilet paper. People were going mental for toilet paper, losing their minds for it because we need it. But I've never ran to the supermarket thinking, get me to the toilet roll aisle. You know, I, I've never run to the back of the store looking at all the options. Okay, there's Charmin, there's like Tesco own brand. I've never been like that because I need it. I, I'd miss it if it wasn't there, but I need it. I don't want it. But I bought some new golf clubs at Christmas. And let me tell you, I couldn't wait for weeks to get to that store. I booked my time in. I spent hours in there testing all the options. I looked at all the different clubs. I didn't need golf clubs. I mean, don't tell my wife that. I didn't need golf clubs. I wanted golf clubs. This is amazing. That God wants to work with you and me. He chooses to work with you and me. He chooses to bring his glory to the world through working in you and me. But he doesn't just leave us on our own to do this. He gives us his power. He gives us gifts to bring transformation to the world in which we live. Can't you see the similarities here? The master's left his servants with his possessions and gone to a distant land. This is what God, this is what Jesus has done with us. He's given us the fullness of his power so that we can continue to grow his kingdom, so that we can thrive, not just survive. In Timothy 2, 1, 14, Paul says to Timothy, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. See, we've been given a great deposit. We've been given a good gift called the Holy Spirit who is given to us so that we can thrive in our world today. So that as Christians, we don't have to hide in a corner and batten down the hatches until Jesus comes back. No, we don't need to do that. We can stand up and take the power, the goodness and the grace of God to our world because we have the gift that God has given us. We have the great deposit. Come on today, we don't need to be close. Christians. We can be out there because our God has given the gifts that we can thrive in this world. Come on, is there anybody today who say we're not going to survive, but we are going to thrive in our world? You can bring restoration to that workplace. You can bring restoration to that factory. You can bring restoration to that school as you go with the power that Jesus gives. And this is why we need to be thankful for the gifts We've been given. Please, don't get so excited about yourself and your own talents that you think you did it all. Everything we have comes from God. It comes from the master. These servants had no purpose without the gifts that the master gives. The gifts that he gives us give us purpose. Let's thank him for those gifts. The next thing I see from this parable is that we need to work what we got. Now I don't want any emails this week, I know that's not perfect English, but you might have heard this in a movie when people are dancing and one of the characters go, come on, work what you got, work what you got, hello somebody. So he's making the point that you might not have the perfect body, you might not be the best looking, you might not have the greatest dancing ability, but what we're going to do is we're going to do the best we can with what we got. We're going to work what we got. Come on somebody, this morning, let's see some dancing in those homes. Can you work what you got today? And I see that so much in this parable. Let's look here again, verse 16. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Now this could seem really unfair, especially with our worldview, because we say, no, no, the master's got it wrong. He's given five bags to one and another guy's got one bag. This is not fair. Now what he should do is he should split the bags, what, there's five, two, one, there's eight bags there. He should split, split them up equally and then the other two bags he should divide again. But that's not what he does. See, here's the thing, if we're being honest, we know that different people have different gifts and abilities and have proven themselves to different levels, See, the worst thing you could do with a 17-year-old is for their birthday, when they pass the test, the driving test, is to say, hey, I bought you a car, here it is. It's a Ferrari, not 62.6 seconds. Because if you give the 17-year-old a Ferrari, let me tell you, the, the best thing that could happen is that they crash it. The worst thing is that they could end their life because they are not ready. They don't have the ability to look after the gift. They don't have the ability to steward the gift. And because they don't have the ability to steward the gift, the gift becomes a curse. See, we've all been given gifts by God. Please don't get that wrong today. If you're sat here and you say, I've got no gifts, I want to tell you, you were wrong. You've been given gifts. Everything we have comes from Him. It's given by Him. But as in this story, we're not all given the same at the same time. Does that mean God has favourites? No. No. Does it mean that there are less opportunities for certain people in the kingdom of God? No. But if God had given the one bag of silver guy, the five bags, there would have been a loss. See, we all know this really. Let's say that we're in a money management fund and the boss is going away and he's got eight million pounds that needs managing. He's got three employees. He's got the star employee who's been with him since day one. He's proven himself over 15 years. He's then got the employee that he raised since being an apprentice. He's been with him five years. He's done a great job over five years. And then he's got the new apprentice who just started a month ago. A great way to lose that 8 million pounds is by dividing it equally. Because the apprentice is not ready. We all know this. It'd be crazy to give the apprentice the same amount as the guy who'd been there for 25 years. If you want to keep that money growing, you don't divide it equally. You, you trust the star employee with the most. You give the, the, the good employee who's been there five years, you give them a good amount as well. And the apprentice, you give the smallest amount. You say, well, Josh, why give the apprentice money at all? It's a good question. But good leaders will know that you want to give the apprentice money so they can prove themselves so that they can learn, so that they can grow, so that they can understand what it is to manage money so that one day they have the opportunity to get to where the the star employee is. You want them to prove trust and have the opportunity to step up. I hope this makes sense today, but we're all given gifts from God and the more we honor God with our gifts, the more we use them for his glory, the more we steward them well, the more we're given. We can get so wrapped up in our world with what other people have, what others seem to be given, what how easy it is for that person over there. Oh my gosh, they've got the nice car. I wish I had that car. We become jealous and envious and instead of working what we got, we become lazy and inactive. And all we do is become bitter about others and we waste our lives. I want to encourage you today to work what you got. Work what you got. Come on, somebody. Work what you got. Stop looking at that person that you feel has been given more and begin to serve God faithfully where you are. I think this is such a problem today that everyone wants to be the CEO, the owner, the Instagram influencer, but they don't put in the hard work that it takes to get there. They look at the five-star CEO, the sports person, the pastor, and look on and say, it's not fair, I should be doing that. They look at the five-star business person and compare it to their one-star job and think, I'll never get there. What's the point? But we fail to realise is that the CEO got there through proving faithful in the small, through making the hard yards, through pushing through the monotony of the more basic job. And as they did this, they learned, they grew, they become more wise. And because they proved faithful in the small, they could be trusted with the big. We look at these positions and say, Oh, I wish I had that. But the reality is that it probably wreckers where we are right now because we aren't ready to steward the gift. these 2 The first two servants, the ones who did well, the 5 bad guy and the 2 bad guy, they did well. They got on with it straight away. They went straight to work and they worked hard and smart and this led to them doubling what they've been given. I don't know about you today, but I'd take a double. And look what the master says when he returns to the good work they've done. Says verse 21, the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. See, because these guys had proven faithful with the small, they'd been given more. I want to tell you today, if you can't work diligently in the office job, you'll never have a successful business. If you can't lead yourself, how will you lead others? If you can't read your Bible, how can you be trusted to preach the Word? If you want to step into the bigness that you are called to, you have to prove faithful in what you have today. I want to ask you, are you working what you've got? Or are you complaining? Complaining the house isn't big enough or the car isn't fast enough. The job doesn't pay enough. Stop complaining and steward what you have now. And also please learn to be content. The house is great, the car's great, the clothes are great, whatever, that's fine. But they'll never make you content. Learn to be content not stale, not stagnant, content, in what God's given now. Thank God for what you've been given. Honour him with it and go with purpose. See, these two guys, they weren't waiting to be told what to do. They'd been given purpose by the master to bring increase and they went with purpose. Come on, let's not just breathe breeze through life, you know, subject to where the wind blows us. Let's be like Jesus, let's go with purpose. It says of Jesus that He set His face like a flint towards Jerusalem because He knew that He had a purpose and He was focused on that purpose. Come on today, somebody, let's go with purpose into that workplace, into that school, into that office. Let's go with purpose. If you show up with purpose where you serve, I want you to know today, that you can't help but rise. People of purpose can't help but get promoted. People of purpose can't help but continue to go from glory to glory in their lives. There is a note today, because success can be seen as a dirty word in church. Please, it's not. Selfish ambition is. Selfishness is. Greed is but success is not. Throughout the Bible, we are called and equipped to be fruitful, to be successful. Never be ashamed of your success, but please, is it success if only you win? Come on, we're called to prevail, to advance, to increase as people and materially, but let's make sure that God always gets the glory. Let's make sure we use what we've got to honour Him, to advance His kingdom, to bring the love of God to our world. Please don't make it about your kingdom. Make it about His kingdom. And finally, this parable is a warning that we shouldn't waste what we've been given. Now, we've looked at the two who were successful But the story of this third servant is a sober one. Verse 24, Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, Even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where they'll be weeping (laughs) and gnashing through. Now, these words can seem really harsh when we read them. And I've wrestled with this this week. Because on the face of it, it doesn't seem like the punishment fits the crime. Because there's no two ways about it. The Bible says, the master condemns this man to hell. Out of darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, that's a metaphor for hell in the Bible. On the face of it, it looked like this man's performance had earned his judgment. But the more you look into this, I don't believe that's the case. See, as I look through the Bible, God helps us and works with us and gives us gifts to perform. Please, I want you to know today that you can't earn salvation. Your salvation is not predicated on your performance, but on what Jesus accomplished on the cross. No, it wasn't this man's performance that condemned him, but it was what his performance revealed. See, his performance revealed that he didn't know the master at all. The first two servants, the good servants, they got on with it straight away. They knew exactly what the master was looking for, a return. They knew how he would have gone about it. The inference is that they would have done what he's taught them over the, in the past. Then it becomes clear from the way that the master rewards them that they knew exactly what he was looking for. But this third servant gets it so wrong. He's almost proud of himself when he says, look, I've not lost anything. It was a bit of an inconvenience, you know, digging the soil. I've not lost anything. He's almost proud of himself. But the master wasn't looking for him not to lose anything. He was looking for him to put the money to work. For anyone here that's worked for a boss any amount of time, you'll know how they're going to react or what they expect in a certain situation. That's why it can be so hard when you're starting a new job. That's why it can be so difficult when you're starting that new job because the the boss, you don't know the expectation of the boss. They can tell you one thing and it means another. You might have seen last week that from community, we've been given 5,000 pounds into each campus to sow into our community. Now, I know Christian, but if I didn't know Christian, I could say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy some golf memberships. I'm going to treat our community to a round of golf. I want to tell you this, because I know Christian, I would be in huge trouble. I'd probably get sacked. You know, I'd probably be, be, be never allowed to stand on this stage again because I'd wasted that money. Because I know Christian, I know he wants me to sow that money into our community to help people who maybe don't have enough food to eat right now or are struggling financially because I know him. I know what his expectation is. But you see what I'm saying here? Because I know him, because I I love him, because I have a relationship with him. I know what he expects. And this one talent guy clearly does not know the master. We see in verse 25, where the man says, I was afraid I would lose your money. See, he was motivated by fear, he was paralysed by fear. He was so afraid that he'd lose the money that he hid it in the ground. He did nothing with it. He had no idea who the master was. The other two weren't motivated by fear, they were motivated by the purpose that the master's gifts had given them. See, the money in this story had given them purpose, just as the gifts we've been given give us purpose. How could this man get it so wrong? because he didn't know the Master. If he truly known the Master, he would know that perfect love casts out all fear, that the Master had not given him this gift as a curse, but as a blessing, that this bag of silver did not come with a catch, but a calling. But because he didn't know Him, the calling became a catch, the blessing became a curse, and purpose turned in to fear. Today, you aren't called to be afraid of God. You're called to be a friend of God. He gives liberally not to trick you, but to show you that He trusts you. This God is not against you, He's not waiting for you to slip up. He's for you and wants you to receive the blessing that it is to be called His own. Look at verse 26. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops, I didn't plant and gather crops, I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest. The masters called this servant out. He said he was scared, which was a symptom of not knowing him, but there was more to it. He wasn't just afraid, he was lazy. See, he did the very least possible. I think the master would have preferred the servant to have a go and lose it all than do nothing because he learned nothing. He didn't grow. He didn't succeed. He had wasted the opportunity and his laziness had been found out. If he was really concerned about losing the money, why wouldn't he just deposit it in the bank and get the interest? See, we're not just talking about physical laziness here. We're talking about mental laziness. He hadn't been creative. He hadn't explored the options. He hadn't tried. Physically, he might have looked busy. There he was digging his hole. The other two guys, they were having coffees. They were having meetings. Here he is with his top off like a Coke advert, thinking, Ah, I'm the best. You guys, you're so lazy. Physically, he was probably busy, but he chose the route of least resistance. Mentally, he was being lazy. He played it safe. And this is a challenge to us today. Are we keeping ourselves busy with things that don't matter while the master is calling us to bigger things? I just wonder if some of us aren't lazy in our actions, but we've become lazy in our minds. You're going through the motions, taking the easy way, not stepping out, not looking for opportunities to advance. You've stopped dreaming and have become stuck in safe. Please, if this parable teaches us anything, it's that we're called to advancement. Your life is not called to be stale. You are called to grow, to move forward, to rise. You are called to go from level to level. As you prove faithful in what He gives, you will be given more. Does that mean it will always be material? No. It's far bigger than that. It might be material, but the bigger things, you become more wise, you become more bold more strong, and you'll have a clearer sense of purpose. And all this will add up to your bringing God's kingdom to the world in which we live. Come on, please remember today, it's not what you leave for people that matters. It's what you leave in people that matters. We're called to leave an inheritance, but I want mine to be far more than money. I want to leave a litany of changed lives behind as God has used me to change the world in which I live. Will we be the church that Jesus desires? Will Arena Church be the church that Jesus desires? That looks past our personal safety and comfort and steps in to the fullness that he's called us to. Your life is called to flourish, to grow. Even in the mixing pot that's 2020, you are called to advance. You were called to bring an increase. And as you prove faithful with what you have today, as you Work what you've got. You go from glory to glory in Him, and we'll see our world transformed. This man was condemned for playing it safe, for being lazy, but ultimately it became because he didn't know the Master. I want to ask you today do you know the Master? You might know about him, you might have heard about him, but do you know him personally? Do you know what he's looking for from you? Do you know what he wants from you? If you're here for the first time today and you say, Josh, I don't know the master, I wanna give you an invitation right now to get to know him, to start a journey with him. And like any relationship, it starts with that first step. You might have heard all different things about God, but I wanna tell you this is true. He's not mad at you, he loves you. He wants to know you. He sent his own son to die and raise again, to go through horrendous death, just so that you could know him. If that's you today, I wanna pray for you right now. If you wanna give your life to Jesus today, there's a button that's gonna come on the screen. I just want you to click it and say, I want to know Jesus and I'm gonna pray for you. So God, for everybody who's clicked that button today, For everybody who says, I want to start that journey, they want to get to know you, the master. I pray, Father, that in this moment, while we're not able to meet physically, that you will give them a special exemption of grace. That this journey, they would start with you, would turn their lives upside down, but in the best way possible. That you would not turn them into somebody else, but turn them back into the person you created them to be. In your mighty name, amen. Now, finally, Arena Church, do we wanna be like the first two guys or the last guys? Do we wanna use what we've been given well to further the kingdom of God, or do we wanna waste it? I don't know about you, but I wanna hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, come, let's celebrate. And if you become stuck in safe, if you become stale, I'm gonna pray for you right now, wherever you are in your homes, just open your hands to God and receive this. So God, I pray you would take any lazy thinking from our lives. I pray that we'd be bold, strong and courageous for you. God, I pray that we would continue to lean into all you've given us, God. I pray that we would thank you for the gifts we've been given. We'd work the gifts we've been given. We'd steward it well, Father. But God, we wouldn't take it to ourselves that we would use what we've been given to impact the world in which we live. God, we love you and we honour you. Amen.